We're Arts and Adventure, Summit Sea Airwaves. This is the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. I'm R. Brandon Long, alongside... Todd Obendorfer. The, the Todd Obendorfer. Oh, I, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are your hosts for the greatest podcast in all the land. Joining us in the trailer is a boatload of dudes. Uh, so, T. Roy Price, Troy Price, Executive Director. Now... Countine, also Troy. So we have TNT here in the corner. You confused me because you said that you were the Snow Basin Ski Education Foundation Executive Director, but that Troy was the not the new. He's the new one, but not like what's it? Are there two so, different groups going? What's well, going kinda, on? So the Snow Basin Ski Team is ran by the Snow Basin Sport Education Foundation. Sport. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on the board for the foundation. So I'm the most recent uh, chair. I'm, I'm now the past chair. We brought uh, Jen Androsco in, who will probably come for your a future podcast. We'll see. Okay. So she's the new chair. I'm staying on as past chair for one year. But the, the nonprofit board runs the ski team side, the, okay. you know, the capital campaign and some of the you know other stuff. Troy does all the real work on the snow with our coaches, running the program itself, getting that done. And it was, uh, yeah, so, so that's kind of the differential there. So his title is Executive Director, Snow Basin Ski... Snow Basin Ski Team. Ski Team. Yep. I'm just making notes in real time. You got okay. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it all clear now? And truly correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, even though I should be the, the one. Okay. So, very good. Yep. Joining us is on the adventure side, on the art side, uh, Shane Osgathorpe, lead keyboardist for The Proper Way. Yeah, rhythm keyboardist. Rhythm keyboardist <laughs> for The Proper Way. Uh, Your business card is like just line after line after line. When, some, when you're on the airplane and they're like, what do you do? What do you tell them? I I usually say I'm a musician first. Do you, you do? Yeah, I usually say my night job before. And then Sarah day. elbows you like, where's the yeah, business if, flight? Yeah, if Sarah if Sarah's there, I have to say oh, I'm, 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 I'm a marketing Ogden, guy. You have a visit Ogden hat, shirt, <laughs> coat. But I'm a musician. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a musician. <laughs> that gets the free beers or something on the flight, maybe. No, it's not no. even that. It's okay. honestly just that's what that's what my soul feels like saying. It really yeah. is. It's like I'm not trying to be like a big giant rock star. You know that. I'm a cover band guy that plays rhythm keyboards in a small local band. And it's just but yeah, it's if you ask me who I am, I'm like, yeah, I'm a musician. So you're a musician. Yeah. All right, Troy, should we dig into how you got to where you're at? You're new. You're five months in the on the ski team. Uh I'm assuming you were a skier, you know, but before doing this. So What's your background? A wild not assumption. Once, not wild once on the mountain. Not once on the mountain. <laughs> yeah. But now I run the ski team. No, but I want to know, like, did you, like, you race, like, professionally? Like, what's the background? Like, how, how does that go? Like, how do you get to the job that you're at now? Of course. Before I dive into that, just like Shane, I like to tell people I'm a ski coach. Yeah. Yeah. Simply, you know, it's been a career, and as Troy mentioned, executive director. So there's lots of admin work and staff and hiring and training, but... What's true to my yeah, heart. It's your soul, coach. right? Yeah. yeah, coaching, coaching, right. teaching, coaching. <clears throat> um, my background is local here in Ogden. Started skiing at Snow Basin when I was age of two. Dad was ski patrol, mom was ski instructor. And so it was a playground all through yeah. my childhood. Uh, was a member of the Snow Basin ski team growing up mm -hmm. under the direction of Ray Miller. And just continued that passion. He brought me in as a young coach. Coach for Snow Basin for 13 years. And then the last 13 years I've been down in Salt Lake at Rollmark Ski Academy. as the junior program director there and developing their program and pushing kids up to the national team. So it's great to be back in Ogden, back at Snow Basin and back where the heart and soul of the program lies. And well, just a, a shout out to Callantine and the board of directors for the growth and the hard work that they've done over the last few years to make it an opportunity for me to come back and continue to build the program. So the experience you gained in Salt Lake, pushing people to a national team, can you bring that to the Ogden team? Absolutely. You know, we've we've got that foundation, the number of kids that are in the local area, and then it's just working with Snow Basin to create the right training environment to push kids all the way through. What are they missing right now? Like, what's the first thing you're like, okay, we probably need to do this? Yeah, that, that list is pretty long, but it, it's, it's knocking one <laughs> thing off There's something at the top time, of it, right? though, right? What's yeah. at the very top of it? You know, the biggest thing for athletes to push through is time on snow. Mm. And so it's it's looking for every opportunity to enhance the training environment, whether that's um, working with the schools to get kids on the hill. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not necessarily things that Snow Basin needs to change. It's about the community mm. supporting from the academic side of it. But then on snow, it's about creating the right surface, the surface that they're going to see at the higher level events, which means a harder surface, icier, so more water content coming out of the snowmaking system, 
different things that they can do with grooming. And so there's there's little changes that we hope to make over the next year, but it's it's really what's going to happen in the next three to five years. That's well, yeah. And Snow Basin, I mean, Snow Basin's a host was the host of an Olympic venue. Yeah, event, it's a world class so, resort, and we're happy to call it home. So they, the what are they, what do they need to do to sort of change or up or update the the mountain? To prep the skiers. Yeah, what can we do, Brandon? Write a check. <laughs> I'll just, you know, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> like so much of it is there, and it's in it place. Is. Okay. Like I said, they have a world class snowmaking system. They have great machinery for their grooming. Uh, lift operations are just getting better with each and every year. Yeah, the amount of money that Snow Basin has invested up there that goes under the radar is just amazing. under under the snow too. Well, no, like their GM used to work for the you know over at Canyons and Park City and all that stuff. He's part of that Vail Corporation and, all, and he he was part of that link between the Canyons and Park City, and it was like a fifty million dollar investment that they blew up all over the media. Look look at how much investment, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> he, he says, like, Snow Basin will do that in a weekend. I mean, there's hundreds of millions of dollars being invested up there that they don't go seeking accolades for and draw attention to, but mm-hmm. the improvements they're making up there are, are substantial as far as yeah, what I understand. That's the Sorry, that's my day job that I'm talking from now. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. You know what they're doing with the yeah. new Des Moines chairlift? Yep. You know, those things come in, and they're kind of under the radar. And so it's nice to see Snow Basin recognized as a world-class resort and across the industry. Well, and their commitment to the skier experience above everything else. Absolutely. Like they're going to yeah. do everything they can to maintain the best skier experience they can, you know, while and, also developing teams, yeah. which means altering runs and snow conditions and grooming and stuff. But, yeah, it sounds like they're willing to work with you. That's cool. And in, in just a short time, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of families, and those families are coming from all over the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and so Snow Basin is drawing in a bigger audience. It's not just the Weber County or Morgan County residents. And so it's, it's that level to where we are able to build upon that foundation and, and draw in those top-level athletes. This is a big opportunity for you. It is. Yeah. I'm excited. This, this is awesome. Uh, is, who's, like, doing it really well in, in Utah, or is it going to be snow, snow basins it? Or, or like, is there someone that like where you came from in Salt Lake that was like, that's a pretty good model to sort of transfer to snow basin. Yeah. The, the Romark ski Academy there in Salt Lake is a unique model in that it's partnered with the Roland Hall school. So it's a private school, private mm-hmm. ski Academy where athletes come around the country and, and even in some cases the world, um, Australia and, and so forth. So it's a different model. It's a unique model, but it's it's great that they're here in our backyard. It's it's great that I have history with them to collaborate with and to have a, a partnership where our athletes can train with their athletes on occasion. And mm-hmm. you know, even last year, uh, I did a little mentoring with the program last year and was able to bring my athletes from Romark into Snow Basin, and we collaborated on a few training sessions and vice versa. The Snow Basin athletes came down to Park City and the Utah Olympic Park for some training sessions, and so. I hope to, to build upon that collaboration and create those opportunities, especially for those top-level athletes that need a little different exposure, they need a little different pace, that different surface that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like those are the great opportunities that are right here in our backyard. Are, are you, go ahead. I'm always so excited to hear, kind of look, look behind the curtain and kind of see how, how this is all made. But there is a big part of me that wants to believe that I learned all of it that I need to know from those 80s ski comedies, like ski schools, <laughs> yeah. ski hot dog, or whatever. Miller movie. Because yeah. I, I feel like I know how you learned how to ski. Yeah, right? <laughs> and if it's anything more than that, I kind of don't want to hear, but I kind of do want to hear that. I, I have a question for you. Can I, can I be so Yeah, bold? yeah, yeah, please do. How far out are we from having a local, like locally raised kid that grew up on this mountain standing in the Olympics we're going to have watch parties downtown because there's going to be a big downhiller or a big slalom skier. How, how many years out do you think you are before we see somebody that we're all going to be having a watch party for? Well, I think that's part of the trouble with our sport is the watch party, the, the highlight of the athletes. I mean, right now, locally, there's an athlete that grew up through the Snow Basin program, um, went to Romark Ski Academy, and then went to college. Um, she just won uh, an event for the NCAAs. And so participating in the NCAA championships, it's limited to only 32 girls. Wow. She's one of those 32. Okay. Um, so we're, we're there then. We're knocking like, on the door. of Yeah. Like and then there's, there's a couple young skiing. girls that just graduated from our program and are skiing with Park City's program and they're on track. They're getting invited to 
regional national development camp opportunities. That's and awesome. So they, they are coming from our, our local community and from our program. It's our goal to retain those athletes a little longer before we let them graduate and move on to what, what they need next in their yeah. development. But really where the heart and soul is for our ski team is that foundation. It's, it's building that, the ski passion for, there's so many families that start in the sport, maybe that learn and earn program that Snow Basin has been so successful with. That's where they first get induced to it, but it's our development program that takes them to that next level and really instills that passion to where they're, it's a family sport. The family's committed to it. They're spending their resources and time available. And so it's building that foundation where we can really build the community behind it. Awesome. What's the state of the ski racing right now? I know uh, U.S. female racers have been doing really well as of late and in, in making headlines and stuff. And has that helped push kids get into the sport? Have you noticed that at all? Yeah, it's still, you know, it's an industry. Ski racing is still pretty bleak, mm-hmm. you know, compared to professional sports. But having a headliner like Michaela Schifrin on the national team definitely draws a lot of attention. But it's bleak, mm-hmm. right? Like, we we need to do more. Um, luckily, you know, I've, I've made those contacts. I have a couple athletes that are currently on the national team and bringing them in as mentors or guest coaches at times and signing autographs and trying to promote them at the same time of promoting the sport and promoting the opportunity. And the biggest goal that we have with the Snow Basin Ski Team is the athletes see a journey. They see that longevity and that they can stay in the sport for a long time. So it sounds like you need a bigger pool of kids to, to kind of work their way up through the system, right? The pool's there. Oh, it, okay. It, it's about just retaining the athletes that are in our community. Um, you know, that's one thing that the Snow Basin's done a really good job with over the last 10 years is building that, that base, that pool. Um, the program was with the foundation and then went to the ski school for a while. And then just a couple of years ago, it came back underneath the ski team. And from that point on, it's really thrived. And um, a guy of recognition there is Andrew Rockenfeld, or known as Rocky. He's put his heart and soul behind that program and has really grown it. Countine. Yeah, I guess I um, just on the sort of the future of the sport and retention, one of the opportunities here for Troy, one of the reasons the board wanted to make sure that this spot became available. We've been absent of our board or an executive director for, I don't know, four years now. We had had one before and he was great. We had some good growth and then we just a lot of different things kind of happened. And we weren't able to hire that position back. So one of the board's initiatives was, look, we need to position ourselves to be able to afford and hire and, uh, and appropriately uh, leverage a good executive director, someone who's talented, you know, and, and create that space so that the board could then step back and focus on the things that will hopefully keep the sport more affordable. So we're, we're as a board, highly engaged with the capital campaign and fundraising to help subordinate or subsidize our tuition costs, right? So as, as these kids hit 14, 15, 16, the sport becomes astronomically expensive, and that's often where we see the retention fall off, right? Because it's you start making decisions between, well, I can do this or that, um, and, and parents have to make you know financial decisions as well as time commitment decisions. And so ideally with Troy in this position, he can he could really just run all the day-to-day mm-hmm. stuff, some of which had landed in the board's lap for the last few years, and, and we can take that off the board's lap and, and let the board really do what they do best. Which and, is what? Um, well, ideally, what we can do well is is fundraising and, and have a capital campaign come together so we can improve facilities on site, right? We can help, uh, you know, enhance our race venue. We can, um, again, just stock the coffer so that our sub, uh, the subsidized tuition can be greater, right? We can offer scholarship opportunities. We hadn't had a scholarship fund in place forever, basically. Now we have a, a pretty substantial amount of cash available for fund or, uh, for scholarship opportunities. So kids that are either at, we have different, you know, merit-based scholarships as well as financial scholarships. And, and different things um, that our kids can now get, which which is huge, right? If a kid makes it to championships, they may have raced, what do you think, Troy, like a dozen races throughout the year, each of which might be out of town. It's Sun Valley, Jackson, um, you know, Grand Targhee, yeah. Mammoth. You do the math, right? You're yeah. paying for hotels, you know, skis, waxing, all the stuff, the coaching to and from. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get invited to go to Tahoe for five days to race again. And 
and you get another bill for, for, for this, this regional, you know, or, or national championship event. And so our, our scholarship fund ideally will help subsidize that. So those kids can then even just take advantage of the, of the, the merit-based opportunity that they were awarded and, and help keep them in the sport and keep the, keep it more attainable financially. And then even on the low end, right, just getting into the sport, our goal is to make sure that we, we create, we lower the barrier of entry financially for these kids that are really talented have got committed parents that want them to succeed because there's so much beyond just learning how to ski that these kids get for life um you know just growing them as people is, is a huge deal of what we do mm-hmm. and so so anyways hopefully you know with troy in place now hopefully but we're already seeing it happen we're, we're able to really laser focus as a board on those those other efforts and and have good fundraising events and opportunities as well as connecting for capital uh, raising and awareness for other things that we need because we do need more assets for safety bnet that type of stuff so we're stoked to have troy on board and and couldn't be more thrilled to have awesome. someone local like him. So, Todd, I love that you mentioned those soft skills. I think that uh, uh, previous life I was a advisor for for young uh, art students, and uh, I think that the most important thing for me was these arts and humanities uh, students. I almost said kids. This, these students would learn in addition to just being able to draw, right? And so it's it, in this case, it was you know the idea of being. Flexible, not saying no, growing thick skin. Like there's all sorts of things they can take into the real life. And so I would love you to talk a little bit more about that. Like what do you see these, um, I want to say these young people again, but uh, these these students taking yeah. away from these programs outside of just the skiing? No, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to that because it's it's true to my core of just the, the character traits that we're able to develop. Ski racing is a very tough sport in the fact that the equipment that you're carrying around, the weather, the conditions that you're in, it's time to the hundredth of a second. A lot of times you're losing by those hundredths of a second. Um, there's one kid on top of a field of a hundred. And so it's very demanding in that regard. And so as a coach, when you can focus on the character traits of being kind, being respectful, having some grit, some perseverance to fight through those challenges, goal setting, the, the positive mindset that goes involved, um, the process that's geared towards it instead of just outcome-based, like all those things that they can apply throughout their life, they're taught through our lessons and through our, our daily programming. Um, quick little side story here. I, I got a text yesterday from an athlete that I've coached for many years, and she just got a, a full-ride scholarship to Nebraska for golf. Huh. However, wow. you know, she was an athlete in ski racing for 12 years, and and prior to that, you know, her dad said, Yes, yeah, so we reflected back on this now that she's graduating from high school and going on this journey to play Nebraska golf was that we instilled the opportunity for her to say thanks and appreciate the employees and the people around her, the volunteers that work at races, the lift operators, the ski patrol, all those people that really take it um, to that level of supporting our athletes. But that attitude of gratitude was something that her parents reflected on and kind of developed her as the, the person that she is. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, fascinating. What um, kids want to be involved or parents listening to this, how do they get in touch with the ski team and, and get rolling? Yeah, the easiest way is our website, just Um Through that process, you can dive into the different programs that are offered. Registration's right there on the website. There's some bios for our coaching staff so they can read up on it. We're early for once. It's it's early yeah. August, but it'll come fast. So are, are there yeah. deadlines to get involved or, you know, it's, it's pretty open-ended. We okay. want to make sure that we're supporting the local community. Um, right now we're, our roster is already about 75% full. Okay. And so there's a, a ton of returning athletes, which is great. We've like, we talked to earlier about that retention fact. And then for new athletes, we're always looking for those younger kids, the five, six year olds to start their journey to, to build things off. And so, so you think, Ski racing automatically it's alpine, but you guys added skimo and there's there's other stuff. Are you Absolutely. over all the things now or I am and, okay. and there's a lot for me to learn there. Yeah. You know, the skimo is something new and different. It's new for our community, new for our program, but new for me as well. And we're excited to have that as a that's a pillar of our program. But what I'm most excited about is our free ride program. It's growing at a rapid rate and we've got some great coaches in place that are teaching the athletes about avalanche awareness, the safety components, the right gear, knowing the right terrain, 
And so all of those aspects we're finding athletes gravitate towards the free ride yeah. and it's a great opportunity for them to, to stay in the sport and, and to enjoy the mountains and enjoy our community. Did free ride make, do they make an Olympic venue for that or is that a sport for the Olympics? Yeah, free riding? there's a world tour. World tour. Yep. Um, and cause a schema will start as an Olympic event soon, right? Next Olympics. Yep. Yeah. I saw, well, I was emceeing uh, an event that it was, it was a schemo. Uh, it was, it was different because I, cause they're moving towards that race. So, so it was like timed and there's, there's a lot of more rules to it where ski mountaineering used to just be sort of, Enjoy. sort of Lucy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's there now there's, they have like certain judges there and everything. You had to do certain things and there was, a certain course that it's almost like speed climbing like the course has to be set a certain way you know so that there's standards for the sport but fun stuff it is yeah so five months in five weeks five weeks in yeah. five weeks in wow <laughs> july, okay july 1st in. was the official day but wow. again you know with my past going up through the program and starting my coaching career here at snow basin i've always kept my my fingers in the mix if you will and yeah i've, I've lived in south ogden so Snow Basin's always been home. Sweet. So it's it's fun for me to look over the roster of staff as we reorganize a little bit. There's a lot of alum that are staff members giving back to the community. And so it, it's athletes that I've coached in my earlier career. That's cool. Congrats. That's awesome. Do you have anything else? No. You just no, look no, like no but please feel free and sort of pipe in here. <laughs> yeah. Sort of as as this continues. So I think this is a this is probably a good transition. Speaking of uh, people looking for a free ride, <laughs> we'll introduce uh, our our musician. Uh, but before we go there, I like uh, earlier. Sorry, that's stuck in my. Why head. do I keep <laughs> showing up for these? <laughs> <laughs> if it's not you, it's going to be somebody. You're we'll our favorite. Somebody. Yeah. Exactly. Um, where you said earlier you are a musician first, I want to ask that same question to Brandon and, and, and kind of the rest of us as far as how do you describe what yeah, you do? Yeah, you're on an airplane and says, what, what do you do? Now? Yeah. Uh, a yeah. podcast producer. Okay. What po- was it? Podcast. A podcast. Yeah. You say podcaster, and that's recent for me, and it's weird, <clears throat> but if you say podcaster, I'll, pretty much everyone's like, oh, you're Joe, you're Joe Rogan? <laughs> like, no. No, because really – the way our business works is it's split between producing podcasts for other people yeah. and then we get some sponsorships for the shows that we produce. And so we don't, we're not a, I'm not someone who's like an internet personality that's famous or something that, that makes their, that makes their money from that <laughs> yet, you know, uh, Todd maybe, but uh, Todd gets recognized everywhere in town. I did though. This is a true story. I did go, this is so funny through the drive through at Jimmy John's on 12th the other day, going through the drive through get up there and the guy goes i have my van sessions hat on but he couldn't see it through the window he's like hey you do that podcast uh i'm all band sessions like yeah man i recognized you i'm with such and such band i'm like oh yeah good to see you oh i can't remember what band he said he was with. he's like dude you want a free cookie <laughs> <laughs> you want some off. chips i'm yeah, like hey, let's go it's starting this is how it starts hell, right you're, living, you're already living the joe rogan lifestyle man oh free my cookie? god free cookie the jimmy johns yeah. all day oh let's go so that is my new favorite story <laughs> i love that story so much see i oh, would definitely i'm gonna bring you a free cookie <laughs> thank, sure. you. thank you <laughs> and i would say i'm a podcast star todd Obernor. Todd Obernor Obernor podcast star. Star. Yeah. yeah todd just says you don't know you don't know who you know, I am. You, you know who i am <laughs> it is easier now that i so i'm working for the the salt lake city arts council where i run an art gallery people are familiar with that position so it's easy for me to say i run an art gallery but i'll go so far as to say the manning collective so that has some recognition at this point mm. brandon just have free cookies on. baby yeah. um <laughs> not free cookies free beer we just get free beer. free beer but i like the idea of this cookie as well yeah i think that's great uh, what about you, Troy? How do you introduce yourself in an elevator on well, a plane? Starting right now, I'm going to follow Shane and say I'm a musician, man. Hey, I, yeah, I love yeah. to play music. I play guitar. I'm an influencer now. He's an influencer <laughs> now. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, I I play in a band just for kicks. We 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 don't get paid or anything. We just play in a basement and and family gigs and parties and stuff like that and have a all the wet all the family weddings all the family weddings. Yeah. Um, everyone's already married, so they <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But no, I'm, I'm a realtor by trade and I'm passionate about the real estate industry. I'm passionate about the opportunities in real estate to build wealth and, and helping families get there and help them in that transition. That's, that's what I do. Um, so if, if you're asking what I do for a living, that's, that's my thing, but I, I may just change my tune and say, yeah, we want to know who you are, not what you do for a living. <laughs> yeah. Like, who are you? What don't, not what you do. Yeah. So like, who oh, I, I am, am I, a musician. who am I? Yeah. I guess, you know, I really am. I think you play, like, what do you play? I play guitar, guitar. and I'm trying to, I, I like to say I play mandolin, but it's exactly upside down and opposite of a guitar. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really messing yeah. with my brain, but yeah. I'm getting I'm getting the inverse vision of it. Yep. And trying Once to you make the right chord shapes, you just flip them upside down and yeah. it works. Yeah. So I'm getting the hang of it. Wow. I can play the first five frets on a, on a mando yeah. pretty pretty okay, um, but I've got a lot lot to learn there. So yeah, but music is my passion for sure. Um, and then skiing and mountain biking. I, I love just being outdoors. I love the focus that those two sports bring me. And um of course, I'm a family man. I've got two kids, 12 and 15. Apparently, I'm a rodeo. Um, I'm now a rodeo chauffeur. I've got the next nine weeks booked of high school rodeo for my daughter. She's 15. Wow. I'm going to be running high school rodeo barrel racing. And, wow. Uh, so we're stoked on that. And my, my boy, he's into uh, computer coding and um, rock climbing. So a little outdoors, a little indoors. So, yeah. That's, that's my jam. That's is that what it looks like now is computer coding and rock climbing? And barrel racing. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't code while he's wow. rock climbing, but maybe he could. I no, don't know. but that's an incredible, like, backup. <laughs> that's a basket of skills right there. Yeah. You know, both my kids uh, did ski race at Snow Basin. And, you know, I, I just come back to Troy's story. I can attest to the, the you know, the, some of the attributes they gained from that. They both have, have kind of moved on to different things, but, um, but it better but great things to their world. And so... Yeah. We we're trying to move to Shane, but I had a question yeah. about that because me, this, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, those sports, rock climbing, mountain biking, coding, s- skiing is, is way better, but, but it's hard. Like, you know, the path to being a professional is like, ooh. so skiing is probably the best out of maybe all of those kind of outdoorsy sports, I guess. As far um, as opportunity, as opportunity or... goes. Yeah. I mean, you can, but I don't, you know, what's the. Because your kids ski raced mm-hmm. at Snow Basin, and, and then you know, were they thinking, "Oh, I want to do this as a living"? Like, at what point were they like, "Yeah, no, it's too hard"? Like, how do you, how do they transition, and when do they say, "I better, I better be coding on the side or something"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, like my daughter, she she got it. We got her a horse. She's been riding horses since she was little, and at some point, she she realized it it was consuming enough and. Uh, she was passionate enough about it that that's really where she wanted to put her focus and um and and there's just only so much time in a week and in a, mm-hmm. a, a day etc to do it and so we bought her a horse a couple of years ago and and that became her world and and that as well similar to the attributes you gain from say competing in a ski racing or basketball golf or whatever it is it's it's brought lots of maturity and responsibility and everything to her world so we're we're stoked whether she becomes pro or not like the, the, just the engagement in outdoor sports, in my opinion, is is probably one of the best things you can bring to a kid's life. Um, teaches them so much beyond just the general responsibility, but the, the cultural connection and the social connections they get, and and the the, the responsibility to take care of their own stuff uh, beyond time. Those types of things. So yeah, so she kind of naturally gravitated toward it. Um, and then my son, he's, you'll just have to meet him someday. He's great. Yeah. He's amazing. But yeah, he, he, he opted as well just the, that uh, he wanted to do some other things. And um, he's a great skier. And, and we, you know, I always, when I put my kids in the program, my goal was like, look, I just want to be able to ski anywhere on the mountain with my kids. Like if I yeah. could get to that stage, that'd be rad. So my boy's 12 and he'll ski, uh, he'll ski the Y shoots, hidden shoot, lone tree, um, off a no name, no problem. Like mm-hmm. not even a question. We just, we just take them and go, assuming conditions are safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I ski at anywhere, Grand Targhee or Jackson, they turn around and he's right there on my tails. So that's uh, so you know he gained that from his involvement with the ski team. Is it better for dad to teach him or to hand him off to definitely, have some? Definitely hand him off, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like anything, right? Like uh, Kids don't typically listen to their parents nearly as well as they might somebody else, yeah. uh, especially with you know certain things, and, uh, for sure. the Probably the coolest thing about the ski team is, is the cultural vibe, right? the, the social connections that the kids get and, and how they work with their coaches even on a social sphere and they become friends and they get to joke and play and have fun and it's a different environment than with your dad when your dad tells you to you know put your hands out front or whatever it's just like just dad ordering me to do something again <laughs> again more yeah. Ugh, dad Ugh, yeah price yeah a few things on my mind there um, one is <laughs> one is a statement that i use in a lot of coaches education and it's not about the corrections that we make in the athletes but the connections that we make with the athletes mm. And for me, you know, as, as we relate this to career opportunities, 
it's fun for me to, in the industry for this is year 26 that I've been coaching and wow. you come across so many general managers, mountain managers, groomers, ski patrol directors, ski instructors, everybody. And you start to understand that they started in ski racing or mm-hmm. part of a youth program. And then again, that's where our foundation, that's where our bread and butter is, is to build that passion with those young kids, our development program with 200 kids. Like you got to think about how much, like maybe the next general manager of Snow Basin is one of our 200 kids in the Devo program and, and, you know, owning ski shops, just like Alpine sports and diamond peak, like their foundation is within a, a ski team from their local community. And, and so there's so many little emphases and it's, it's cool after 26 years again, like you're invited to weddings, college graduations. Mm-hmm. Like I flew back east to graduation at Middlebury College simply because of the connection that I made with an athlete. And so those are yeah. those are cool things. And yeah, that's a great opportunity. Sports, for man. They do. They it's do a, a huge part of our culture yeah. here too. I mean, you just have to acknowledge it. Like I was, I was up at the uh, Utah Symphony last night up in Huntsville, yep. mm-hmm. and Jeff Hyde with the Compass Rose, that beautiful hotel. Like, ski racer right yep you know that's jeff hyde's background is ski racing that's yep. what his main career still is but he's built he's building all this cool stuff out in huntsville that is enhancing that community and it's like yeah skiing is just kind of the backbone of this this community in a lot of ways i mean hmm. at least certainly an important bone maybe not the backbone but it's a it's it's an important one maybe a femur a femur. An, an ulna a radius <laughs> i don't know we need it though yeah i mean we we started the podcast off with like you know that athlete to follow or the the olympics and that dream but it's it's really more about building that keeping that foundation building that community and and building the people that our community needs uh so i learned to to ski from a guy it was my dad's friend who the reason he was in utah is because he, he was from montana but he was on the weber state university ski team as a scholar athlete yep um and then uh, so, but that went away. I don't know how many years ago, right? So, is that something that would help push people into like your program, or is that just a different, whole different thing, like the college side of? of no, the for sport? for Weaver State to bring a program like that back would only enhance our program. Hmm. You know, and one thing that we have on the docket for us is to create that junior coach. So it's the high school level athlete that maybe is, is shifted to another sport such as Troy's daughter with rodeo. But when she's available to come ski with a group of six, seven, eight year olds, like there's a huge transfer of information there and a huge opportunity for us as a program to develop those leadership skills and career opportunities. And, but the kids absolutely love it when an, another peer comes in and, and shows them their first 360 or, yeah. or goes off a jump that they yeah. got huge air, you know, yeah. like yeah. there's that role model approach and that mentorship and so we, we look to expand upon that opportunity. Sweet. Shane? Shane, the rest of the show is yours. <laughs> no, no, I got a question for you. Because I, I think I've collectively gotten to know you a bit through the years, but when do you remember the first time you got paid to, to play music? <clears throat> yep. Tell us about that. It was at Union Station. So when when was this? Uh, Ish. I know, I know you're old. 20-something years ago, probably. 20-something years yeah. ago. And what was the event? Uh, it was the Birds and the Bees or whatever it was. Whoa, you're, Kim, com- you're coming back. You're doing We're that. bringing Roosters back yeah. in, bringing your sponsor back in. Yeah, no, Kim Bouchard, uh, she's the one that basically gave me my first gig. Because I used to play on her deck. She was my next-door neighbor. We used to live next to each other. And I'd sit on her deck and play guitar. She'd, I'd have my window open and be playing the piano, and she'd hear it. And, and she would always be on me. Like, you got to and I, you know, she's like, you should play, you should, you should get a band. You should, I'm just like, I just like to play for my friends on the deck. That's kind of what I was, kind of like your thing, you know, family, friends kind of thing. And without really even asking me, she's like, we're doing this event. It was the very first birds in the, or birds and the bees, right? Well, the one, uh, birds, brews, that's. It was birds and bees. It was birds and bees because it was beehive cheese for the bees and birds was roosters. And it was the cheese and beer pairing thing they did. Yeah. And it was like a little mini beer festival with all the new Roosters beer and the new Beehive cheese. And Sweet. she's like, we're doing this event and you are the band. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not a band. She's like, <laughs> figure it out because here's the date and here's the time and we're paying you to come do this. And she's like, a good friend. That's what they do. Yeah. They push you. She pushed yeah. me out of my comfort zone and got me out doing it. And then from there, I met other musicians that were like, dude, I know a bass player that would be great with you. And I know you should hook up with this guy and play that. And then. Before you know, so it, did you play like, in high school? Like, oh yeah, I grew up playing like piano okay. as a little kid, and 
from fourth grade through high school, I was a trumpet player. And so I learned that. And then I, you learn piano is my main thing. And um, you can't really take a piano around a campfire, you know, mm-hmm. like when your friends want to go hang out and sing some tunes. It's like, yeah. let me just haul my keyboard down. <laughs> Anyone got a battery? Got a speaker? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you so can I, now. You with, can yeah, now. But, but back then, it's like, oh, it's easier to just, I'll just learn what I know on the piano. And so I taught myself to play the guitar. That's yeah. why I'm such a bad guitar player because I'm self taught. But yeah, so I've been, I, music's been my life the whole time. But, you know, I, I married young, had three kids young, did that whole thing. And so it's like, I'm re, I'm, I'm kind of living like I should be in my 20s right now. Like yeah. a musician in his 20s should be living. Because yeah. I didn't do it in my 20s. I didn't do it until I was in my late 30s. Yeah. I started getting into music. Stuff. Way more responsible now. Yeah. Is that what they, is that what they say about me? <laughs> did you Were you looking for for a band when The Proper Way came together? What were you no. doing before? No, I was just soloing, my, doing my solo thing. Okay. I had just come out of like a five-piece band. And I was kind of the lead guy in that band. I wrote all the songs, okay. um, booked all the gigs, arranged all the travel, did everything. And uh, one of the one of my musicians in the band was a, a pilot for Southwest Airlines. Like, try putting a, a tour together when yeah. one of your pilot, one of your guys is a pilot who's only in town like every now and then. And and then everybody else had big boy jobs. You know, I, I got to go to Washington D.C. to work with Congress for the next three. And like, <laughs> so. It's, so then I tried to hold the band together with getting alternate players that I just kind of get to fill in for the main guys that couldn't yeah. make it. And then that just got to be so much headache and so much anxiety. I'm like, this isn't even fun. I'd, why am I doing this? Yeah. So I just started well, playing that, solo and then I bumped into Scott and you know that whole story, but yeah. Well, that's a good question though, is, is it's why, you know, why do you, why do you do it? And then, and you were doing it cause you enjoyed playing music, but yeah. then it got to be work and a yeah. pain in the ass. Yep. So why do you do it now? Cause uh, we, I finally figured out the like the right people in the right size band to play with. Like yeah. a, a trio is perfect, and Carrie's the one. The first tale will tell you. Don't call it a threesome. It's a trio. It's a trio. <laughs> That's you probably know, for the best. And we're you know, Carrie. This is her full time job is playing with the proper way. Yeah. So that we don't have to coordinate her second job schedule or anything like that. Scott's yeah. a professor. A lot of online courses. You know, yeah. his schedule's pretty loose. Whatever. Um, so it's easy, it's easy, really easy to coordinate our schedules. And so it's not that much work. And then once we discovered kind of how we play together and how we sing together and stuff, it's like, oh, well, this is, this is effortless. You know? yeah. so. What's the balance of power in the band? Like who does what? <laughs> Cause I know the answer is that is, is that Scott does most everything. Scott's, Scott's yeah. all, everything technical, sound wise, engineering wise in the studio. He's, he's the wires and the nuts and the bolts. He's also like the main kind of point of contact booker schedule keeper calendar guy does all that and then i would probably say and they'll price this price sounds presumptuous but i would say i'm more like the musical director of it where like like this is the vibe we should probably have yeah. and like this is who should probably take the lead on that verse not me you know it should be carrie doing that and then we'll yeah. harmonize on this so i'm more i'm like kind of my day job as a creative director i kind of do the same thing with our music i'm like you know there's sometimes you know you're reading a room the whole time. We never play with a set list, so we're just reading the crowd. It's like they seem to be vibing this direction. Let's go that direction for a while. And then, I mean, you changed it up on a four-song set van sessions where you're like, "We were going to do this, but now we'll do." That. I'm like, "That was a quick." Yeah. We didn't okay. know we were going to play when we got here that night. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's what I love. That's my favorite part. Like, if I had to go out and have a set set list that I played the same 15 songs every night or whatever, I would probably, I, yeah, I'd have to quit. Well, didn't you guys start with? Taking requests. Oh yeah, we in did an app. It. Yeah, we start. We had it. We had a QR code. This was before COVID even. Yeah, actually, we had an email address. It was, it was be- on a card. You guys were keeping QRs alive. No, before. it wasn't. Actually, this is pre QR code. We were just putting our email thing. Okay. It's like it's like, hey, if you have a song request, just email us at this email address, and we'll get your request on stage, and we'll play it. Awesome. So that we're was like, before the website. Yeah, we were oh. kind of a human jukebox, and then like people would make all these weird requests, and so then we're like, let's make a list of songs they can choose from that we know we can crush. So we had like a list, and that's where the website. But what we were doing was capturing their email addresses every time they'd send us a request. Like, got your email. Super smart. Yep. You know, we recognized the data thing. We had friends in Tahoe teach us that. Are, are, do you work so. in marketing or? Something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, been a process. So, so okay. what's that? What's that elevator pitch? What's that plane pitch for? Like the band now, because it seems like you Do they play need fewer one and fewer uh, bars fewer these bars, days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you play a little bit more often outside. Of, yeah, yeah. You know, of Ogden, outside of Salt Lake, even. Yeah. This weekend we're headed to uh, Jackson, Wyoming, and then straight to Vail the next night. We have like we have to go Jackson to Vail overnight Ooh. and play two in a row. So. 
And you only um, play in pretty places. That, and that, if you ask for our elevator pitch, that's we just barely dropped a new sticker and T-shirt and stuff. We have a new design right now, and that's our new tagline: is pretty music for pretty people in pretty places. Because we realize that's exactly what we do. We, like we we're not going to raise the roof and blow the roof off of any place anymore. We're old dudes playing pretty music, right? And we the people we play for are fantastic. And so they're pretty people. And we always are in just like, we're at Snow Basin, we're at Snowbird, we're at Alta, we're at Powder Mountain, we're at, well, uh, Moran Junction in Jackson, uh, you know, north of Jackson. Mm-hmm. Then we're at Vail. So it's Sundance. That, that's our last handful of gigs. So it's like we have these epic backdrops everywhere we go. So like, if you ask what I do, I play pretty music for pretty people in pretty places. At this point, <laughs> are they reaching out to you? Yeah. Because that took a little bit of time to get yeah, there. Yeah, it took a minute to get there. Um, it, it, there was a lot of hustling before. It was like, hey, can we come play? You know, trying to pitch. Like, can we get a slot? Can we get a, you know, and there's the reason, oh, we don't do trios. Or we only want bands with drummers and a bass on them, you know. And, um, but, yeah, we're to the point now where most of those places are reaching out going, we've heard about you guys. We know the vibe you bring. We'd love to have you come play, so. But that being said, where are you reaching out to? Like, there's there's still something out there. Jackson is our new market. We started reaching out to Jackson Hole. We we realized that the way we vibe in the mountains around here, it's like, well, we and we've done it in Tahoe, and we've done it in like Colorado a couple times, and then we're like, well, why haven't we ever played Jackson? We should start pushing ourselves in Jackson. So we did. We're like, you know, we put ourselves in some key marketing places up there to get, get some attention. And now this will be our second trip this summer up to Jackson. So. Now, are these mostly events? Are these bars? Are they, mostly events. Mostly bar? really private, high-end, like rich people events is what we play a lot of. So that's why it's really hard to go play a really cheap bar gig where there's a fight breaking out in the corner and, you know, people are just like screaming over the top of you while you're playing versus like really rich people with a beautiful cabin on the Snake River that want to hear you play pretty music quietly to the sound of the river for like 20 times the money, you know? <laughs> So I don't, I don't want to be all grubby like that and to make it about the money, but it's just so much less stress so, to play. Yeah, more about the lifestyle, places. right? And yeah, making those choices about just not. Oh, if, yeah. If I was twenty twenty two years old, I'd probably still I'd be living out of a van, playing bars every other night, and just like mm-hmm. making my way down the road. But it's nice to sleep in your own bed or in a really nice hotel provided by the by the wedding party or whatever. You know, that's pretty nice. So is that? Well, let's bring it back to Ogden. So, because you're leaving Ogden to find these yeah. better gigs sometimes, better paying gigs, oh, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, we've been van sessions, what, seven years, something like that, six oh years, seven. God, yeah. So I, that, and I, That's about the same time as the proper way. That's how long we've been going. We, we, I think we both started similar. about the same time, yeah. So, but you've been playing music in Ogden for much longer, and I had no idea about booking bands, or, and I booked for the first year or two, and then, and then Todd took over, but what's... What's the has the scene changed much in the last seven years or twenty years in Ogden? Um, as far as these musicians, it kills me because I'm like, how do you guys make a living? Like, what? How do you? So you've found a niche that fits what your band does to make a living and get yeah. paid because uh, Ogden's not a huge town to with the with. I mean, how does it work to make money as a band in Ogden? I guess it's not a great place to make money and that's okay. We're fine with that. Um, we love the community so much that it's like, we're not here to make money off the community. Like, so we have, we have like, we have a pricing structure let's just put it that way. Got it. And, uh, our friends and family and people close to Ogden get a really, really good deal on the proper way. Cause mm-hmm. we love to just play close to home to our friends. That's like the most enjoyable thing. We played a house party Saturday night for Casey Zamora in, in Washington Terrace. Mm-hmm. Most fun we've had in three months. It was a blast. Awesome. So we love to do that, and we're playing at the Nature Center here coming up for that Birds uh, birds, Brews and a Band, I think, called. Yeah, it was something else, but... <laughs> what was it called? You took my it's, it's DJ barbecued, job. Barbecued Birds and Beer. <laughs> barbecued and, Birds. Yeah, I can't... Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, we... Uh, and so, like... Yeah, we and we always donate concerts to the Nature Centers. Like, so if people want a house show, we, we'll donate a free concert that they can sell at an auction and... You know, and we just come play it, and then we can set our donation to the Nature Center and stuff. So we do a lot of that around town. We love playing close to town, but it's just yeah. If 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 you're trying to make a living at it here, you, it's pretty tough. You gotta you so, have to get out a bit to make a little bit of money. Okay, that. that's fair. So th- is that your advice to bands, local bands, when they're like, hey, how do, what do you guys, what do you do, how do I? Just find your niche, yeah, and 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 it, every band's different. Some you know, not every band should be playing little like you know, swanky high end mountain gigs, but. Not every band should be playing like gritty bars. It's like it's where you vibe and where you yeah. find your people and where they want to come hear you, and that's what we've kind of found. Like for some reason, the last few bar gigs we've played, fights have broken out every time, and I can't imagine a more peaceful band than us. We're like so chill, playing like 
Grateful Dead, chill hippie music, and then a fight breaks out. It's like, how does we didn't inspire that? How did that happen? So. Hey, Carrie starts them every time. She's always the one. She doesn't like. <laughs> I think she does. She doesn't like to play in bars, so I think she starts the fight so she can say, "Yeah, we need to be done with these." It's too rowdy. <laughs> okay, hypothetically, say there was a ski team like locally in Ogden that had a fundraiser dinner sometime in the fall that needed Wait, some music. I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> we could always talk offline, but, but, but now, you know, now's just the time planting the seed. So, no, know. yeah, I know the band for you guys. We okay, played the cool. Snow Basin Ski Patrol closing party this year. Awesome. That was fun. Yeah, that's cool. That's That That was a rowdy shindig, I'll tell you that. I bet. So, yeah. I, bet. I can only imagine the drummer. <laughs> that I, I know a guy who's a drummer who was probably there, rowdy ended up. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, we we talk offline. We've got a, okay. we do do a little fall fundraiser. No, and that's the stuff fun. we love. A couple to do. hundred people. It's a great time. You know, great minds in the room, cool people, and uh, it's you know, I'll call it for a good cause. So. Oh yeah, we'll we'll definitely jump in on that for sure. All right, so I got another question for you. So just last month, you were on Van Sessions, which is is another show that we do, of course, and uh, you you kill it as usual. Um, talk to me about your experience doing that show doing that show does that mean to you i mean you've been on so many times when i say you you've been on solo you've been on with the band you hang out you know each month if you're not gigging (laughs) Uh, what what does that project mean to you and i'm not fishing for anything i just want sort of an honest opinion no and i'm gonna sound like i'm just completely pandering but i i mean this from my heart van sessions is probably the most important thing that we have going musically in this town that is no joke I, I'm, I'm you ta- isolate I mean, that? You no, it really yeah, is. Yeah, I can replay and I, that. And <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not. I, I'm including like Twilight. I'm including O Foam. I'm including Blues Brews and Barbecues at Snow Basin. Yes. All the great music. Explain stuff. why? Yeah. The reason being is that Ogden does not have any kind of all ages venue anymore. Mm-hmm. We haven't had one for about seven years now. And as a musician on the other side, watching how the process works you can see that gap. And these guys talked about developing younger talent and and retaining them, right, and bringing them along. Perfect segue into what the music scene is in Ogden. There's, to, We don't have the snow basin in the music industry, you know. They have this beautiful mountain with these facilities and these employees, lifties and ski patrollers that are willing to work with them. We don't have that for all ages. And, like, there's no, until you're 21, there's nowhere to play out mm-hmm. in Ogden. And what you see happen on the other side of that is 21-year-old bands roll into gigs and they don't know the first thing about what they're doing. They don't know how to set up. They don't know how to tear down. They don't know how to get their gear in and out. They don't know how to work a crowd. They don't, they're just inexperienced. And it's not, it's no fault of their own. They just haven't had the chance. And Mojo's used to provide that. There was a place for kids to go and pluck their ukuleles awkwardly and sing sad songs and do their thing and become Carrie Myers or Christian Scheller or... You know, Sammy Brew or how many other of those great artists came out of that kind of developmental process. And when it went away, Van Sessions is the only, only opportunity for those kids to come out and plug in. And sometimes they get loud and they're sometimes they're not super professional because they're not supposed to be when they're young. Yeah. You know, there's this is where they learn their chops. It's like, no, learn how to coil that cable and get it off stage so the next band can set up. You know, you don't have all night to do this. You're doing a job. Yeah. So and this so, this Tuesday night is a coil class. We'll have Shane's teaching. <laughs> we'll put on a clip. <laughs> no, I, I, not a bad so idea. That, that was a long way for me to say that Van Sessions is very important to me. I love that's why so, that's why I find I always come out to it when I can. If I'm not booked somewhere else, I'm always here on First Friday, just so I can see how it's shaping up. Who's doing what? Where are the movers and shakers? Holy crap, that kid can play guitar. I got to get him into the studio. That girl knows what she's doing on a keyboard. Let's see if she wants to do something else. You know. And you guys are kind of the developmental incubator for music in Ogden right now. Provo's got multiple clubs, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why you get Imagine Dragons and Neon Trees and The Killers and because they're, they're out playing when they're 16 years old and they learn how to do it. And so when they're mm-hmm. 21 and they hit the bar scene, they're monsters, you know. Mm-hmm. And we that's what we need in Ogden. And you guys are the only ones at the moment providing it, really. We're- it's, it's really nice when Shane joins us because <laughs> Todd nor I are musicians at least I don't know about Todd but uh but to have his credibility and experience in Ogden and and he sort of mentors the kids when they come in and he's like gives them little hints he's like he's very nonchalant he's not over overpowering or something well do you know who I am you know none of that stuff it's it's just he's just sort of hanging out watching and then next thing you know he introduces himself and then it's like and he helps him and so it's really appreciative so I, I love every time you're, yeah you're there. you guys it's fantastic do. and I'll be honest I am you know I, I moved every time you're here because I you know you could spend your 
your time any number of places on Friday nights. I, I think the same thing with the bands themselves. I do, of course, see it as as an opportunity at this point. They're, they're, you know, it's a nice exchange of, of content experience. I yeah. mean, it's kind of the whole package. But I also know what a Friday night means to any band, right? Yeah. That's that's their moneymaker, right? And the fact that they are willing to take off a Friday night to come hang out with us. Well, and that speaks to the level of what you guys are delivering as a product. And you say content exchange. It's, that, that's, that sounds almost like diminutive, like, oh, it's just, we're just exchanging. No, it's a big deal. The fact that a, a music and, and that's why it's not just young kids come playing van sessions. You're oh, getting, we like the oldies. Too. You're getting like <laughs> you're getting seasoned pros and some of the best bands in Utah wanting to come play at van sessions because they leave here with a beautiful set of four videos and a full interview and things they can use to keep, promote themselves down the road, mm-hmm. and that is worth so much to a musician. They're like, yeah, I'll blow off a, a Friday night gig to get that kind of stuff and. Plus, it's always just such a blast hanging out with you guys, and like no one ever leaves here when they're done. They ha- they all linger and they all hang, and we all you know. So, Shane, do you have some advice possibly for for band sessions on how to maintain some of that? Right, when you get this demand from bigger bands that are seeing opportunity with band sessions that maybe already have some notoriety, have some experience at things, you know, how to does, does band sessions necessarily you know book bands that may not be to that level but they could have that opportunity and you know what i'm saying because i mean the friday night for you guys is van sessions is a pretty big deal too right you want to have sort of the best of the best and create the the best content and have the best viewership and likes and clicks and shares on the same note i I love what you're saying shane there's there's a ton of opportunity it seems like for some of these up-and-comers to come and have the interview get the four songs on and and if uh, it gets closed out from other more established bands you know, is, what's the, is there another venue or, or will van sessions potentially not to reverse the podcast? And yeah, no, that's, the that's a good question. Interview, and but. I will say that I'm, I'm proud of Todd because he's, he's the booker and, and we have no rules. Um, as far as we just book, we, other than, um, you know, they have to, there's a quality now yeah. there is a quality. And yeah, so sure, sure. we just want, but that, however, that said, that doesn't like some of these kids that come on are not very experienced. We just, but they're good. And so, yeah. but yeah, I, good, good I love watching some of the kids I've never heard or heard of or anything. And, and you hear one song and it's like just blown away. I can't remember the girl's name. My wife and I have our Friday night date night standing and we, we often will come by here to hear the music and walk through and look at the art and stuff. And, and there was a gal, she was a solo artist, but just blew me away. I, I, uh, keyboard. Uh, no, she was on guitar. Guitar. Um, Marnie Proudfit. Maybe yeah. Was it just yeah. like a month or so ago? Yeah, about a month yeah, ago. Maybe it was Marty so. Proud. Sh- just I mean, blew me away. I just stood in the corner watching, like, oh yeah. my gosh, she's yeah. just unique and, and crazy yeah. talented and everything else. Now, and I know the thing about Todd is he's so organic. I know it's not calculated, but he does a really good job when he books them. You're you're guaranteed to hear something that you wouldn't have ever heard otherwise. Yeah, you're probably guaranteed to hear something that you should have probably heard already. And you haven't bumped into yet, right. and you're probably gonna hear something you've heard, and that's that, that, I mean that's how it works. Like, there's a good mix of like, oh, th- these guys are playing hectic hobo. I've heard those guys seven times, but I'm definitely gonna go see him. But then there's like, who are these kids from Roy? And it's like, dang, they blew my mind. You know, that's the coolest that's part. Cool. The coolest yeah. part is to, is to meet these new bands, and also the ones that we don't get to see in Ogden from Logan or from Salt Lake. Or, yeah. And you guys have cultivated a hell of an audience that understands that. They know they're not here to see headlining bands. They know they're not here to see, like, yesterday's garage band that just started. They're going to get a good mix of, like, okay, this is what's going on in the music scene in our area. You guys really have, have like, uh, figured that out really well. You curate, you, cur- you curate a really good show. Well, what I'm saying that. And I think that uh, you mentioned it before, and I'm, uh, you know, we also work in the arts as well. And so I feel... The idea uh, at a city sort of arts, arts level when we bring in, say, a muralist from outside of this state or somewhere, how inspiring that can be. And so it's the same idea bringing in a, a professional skier or something like that and yeah. really what that can do. Yeah, and so it's a motivating some of these sure. Some of these bands and musicians that I'm bringing from Salt Lake City have taken two years to court them yeah. to get them up here. Like some of these bands are, are very, very big. Uh, we... Put together a nice package of you know a fun night. Like let's yeah. I mean let's be honest, and it's probably even above that. Like it's it really is a special night, and so the so word, many Twizzlers, or... so many. Twizzlers. <laughs> but uh, the the word is definitely out amongst sort of Salt Lake and Logan and Provo and some of these bands that uh, that Ogden may not know just how big they are, right? Yeah. Uh, in their you know areas, basically, yeah. you know where they do live, and and I love that idea as well. Is that uh, you know you're you're swinging by to see a 
a local kid, uh, but you're also seeing probably one of you know Salt Lake's biggest bands. You know? Yeah. And so it's it's word of mouth more than anything. Uh, I think that uh, reaching out to me directly, um, and and just being able to kind of be open and honest, and you know, and and know maybe I can't get you on this year, but yeah. we're not going anywhere. Yep. And so just keep practicing. We'll get you on the schedule for next year, yep. or come hang out with us. Yeah. This is the I always put this pitch out as well because Brandon is back of house and I'm front of house on these mm-hmm. nights, right? And so Brandon is. Busy, so busy on those <laughs> nights. Um, good luck trying to find some time. If you want to hang out with Brandon, it's probably after van sessions, right? Yes, yeah. after. And that, but it's a great time to chat with him if you do have questions about you know what we do as far as producing it. But over the course of the night, if you're a musician or if you're a fan of music, just come hang out with us, right? That's like one of the biggest things. And, and so and that, you know, and now we're gonna go back to Marnie Proudfit. I watched Marnie Proudfit show up to this thing probably four or five times in a row that she wasn't booked. She was just came down to hear the music, and then you guys had her on that same week that we were on. Mm-hmm. And like Marnie is one of those. Like, yeah, you're gonna bump into like some of the top notch musicians because they're gonna come down here and hang out, and they're doing the same thing I'm doing. It's like, let's see who's happening. Let's see what's what's going on in the music scene right here, right now, because this is where it really starts. Is it stuff like this? So. You probably hear. But- hear things in real time better than I do. I, I'm, you know, I, I was there for Marty, obviously I was in the van, <laughs> producing it live. Right. Yeah. But I just edited her set today and I heard thing, uh, things that I'm like, yeah. this, wow, yeah. so good. So listening to it back, I always hear it differently yeah. than when we, than when we record live. Yeah. No, I, I, it's one of my uh, biggest sources of pride. I, I was, I think Marty Proudfit's first paid gig. Oh, nice. Because my daughter had come home, Kai, who's the ski patroller up at Snow Basin. She came home one day from like a girl's camp or something. And she goes, this girl named Marnie Proudfit played the guitar and sang, and she's the most beautiful singer I've ever heard. And then I was hanging out with Pete and Kim mm-hmm. at their house, because like it always comes back to Pete and Kim, right? Hanging Which out there. they sponsor Van Sessions yeah, with and Roosters. They, and so. they, but they live right next door to the Proudfits. And so I said to Kim, I said, they, they were on me to play some, and they're like, play some music, because they always are, right? I'm like, I'm tired of playing music. What You should get your neighbor to come over here and play yeah. some song. So she called Marnie and said, Marnie, would you come over and play some music? And she's like, I have homework tonight and I can't. <laughs> she was like 16 or 17 yeah. years old. And I said, tell her I'll pay her 20 bucks to come sing one song for us. And so the next thing you know, it's like, she knocked on the door and walked in and <laughs> played a song and I threw her 20 bucks and then like everybody else in the room no threw way. another couple That's like 20, amazing. 30 bucks. Yeah. And then she played three or four more songs. It's like, so like that, that was her first pro gig. Then she went off to Berkeley and... Blew up, blew up, and now she's the most amazing musician in the world. But that's right. That's, well, that's, that's my source of pride. Story. Is I gave her her yeah. first first paid gig. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of that. <laughs> uh, that being said, what's uh, proper way got you know going this summer? Uh, yeah. Do you keep track of those things? Uh, I usually just week of. I just usually look, at, I look calendar. at the calendar to see where I have to go that week. But yeah. Uh, no, and we're Jackson Hole in Colorado for private events this weekend, and then. Um, yeah, uh, the birds and birds, brews and a band and bees and buzzards and. <laughs> if you haven't gone out for one of these, that is a really good night out. Yeah, so that's that's the other local one coming up, and then I'm honestly not sure. I haven't looked out far enough to know, but we're we're staying busy. Well, so. you guys do a great job of posting your schedules. Yeah, we, don't, there we try may not to very bug well you too be much. Some private events, but there's always public events. Yeah, we get out there. Catch us. You'll, you can catch us somewhere. What's a what's a proper way fan called now? Do you guys have a little grippy name? Uh, <laughs> Todd Oberndorfer is what we call our fans. <laughs> no, I don't know. We're gonna have to. We, there's somewhere. not enough the time. On this, or... There's not enough time in this podcast to go into Todd's support of us. He 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 took a road trip to Evanston with us one night. And it was pretty epic. So, <laughs> so that we have we're gonna introduce a pay model. If you pay extra, you can get that That's story get behind the, the scenes. Stories. That's yeah. where you get the X-rated version yeah, the X-rated of, of this podcast. After hours. Todd, do you have any arts news? Uh, no, I okay. don't. I'm, I do. Okay. Get up to Huntsville and check out the Greenhouse yeah. Art Company. Seriously. Yeah. Um, it's like a mini monarch. The monarch ha- has all these amazing artists doing all these different things. Greenhouse Art Company has like a silversmith. And I, I, I did this on, on Van Sessions. I'm sorry to keep plugging these guys so hard, but they're so cool. Yeah. There's like a silversmith, a potter, a printmaker, a painter. Uh, there's cooking classes. They're like everything. They do it all. It's, it's just an amazing place. And it's like... It's Huntsville is turning into this cool little vibey place that you can hang out at. It's not just awesome. a shooting star anymore, you know, yeah. Be- between Compass Rose and Huntsville Square and the Gold Rush Gallery and now Greenhouse Art Company and IDK Barbecue. It's like you can go up and spend an evening in Huntsville and have a pretty good time. So that's my arts news is go support Sweet. those artists up in Huntsville. So they yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have one adventure 
news. Uh, Hank, Hank the Tank, the fugitive black bear. <laughs> I'm familiar with accused Hank of 21 home invasions. <laughs> has been captured. He has been captured. <laughs> so and it's not, a, and it's not a he. It's not Hank. They thought it was Hank because it is a 500 pound black bear. So lovingly called uh, Hank the Tank. Yes, uh, terrorizing South Lake Tahoe, California. Then they found out it was a female, and then they found out that the female, the mom, was bringing the cubs to do a few, to do the terrorizing with her. And so after 152 reports of conflict behavior, including 20, up to 28 home break-ins, um, yeah, they finally caught the bear. Uh, they did some DNA testing to make sure it was the correct bear, but... Because so normally they would euthanize because once the bear gets into the cabins and stuff, yeah, it's not it's not good back, for a bear. Yeah. But the bear's famous, so it's the bear's like, well, do you, do you know who I am? I'm Henry <laughs> of the bear. So they are relocating her to a Colorado sanctuary. Well, once she's recovered from like the veterinary clearance, um, and then the. <laughs> they're welcoming her as Henrietta, the tank. Uh, the three male cubs who were tagged along with several break-ins will also be relocated and rehabilitated in hopes that one day they can return to the wild. So um, not killing the fugitive. I guess <laughs> <laughs> she did not earn the death. Penalty. That is the story that I is wanted that it to end like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. It is. It yeah, it is. There you go. Um there's more to the story on this is on NPR, but an average, to give you an idea, an average black bear weighs about 275, and she is around 500. So wow. she's a big bear. That's yep. so many break-ins. It's <laughs> kind of impressive. <laughs> Sounds like she's from Ogden. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll leave you this week. Um, well, I want to say thanks first of all to Banyan One for powering today's episode of the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. Listen and subscribe. To us on YouTube, Ogden Arts and Adventure. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Bandycollective.com is our website. And the Podbean app and uh, iPhones, you know, uh, all that kind of good stuff. DM us if you want to be on the show. Just DM us at Ogden Adventure. So I queued up Michelle Moonshine. Right um, all Country Blues. So she wrote this, a phenomenal songwriter. But it's a, it's Turtle Dove, and so her and Andrew Wiscom are in on this. But this is... All Country Blues from Michelle Moonshine on as recorded at Van Sessions. Uh, we'll see you on the next Ogden Arts and Adventure Show.
I'm six roosters deep Missing out on sleep Good. Total Devon on Band Sessions.